the History Channel original podcast. Sports History This Week, September 1st, 2007. I'm Kalen Jones. A crowd of more than 109,000 people scream inside the Big House, the University of Michigan's historic football stadium. The Wolverines are ranked fifth in the country, featuring senior offensive stars like quarterback Chad Henney, left tackle Jake Long, and Heisman hopeful tailback Mike Hart. This is supposed to be a banner year for the maize and blue. Last season, Michigan lost in the Big Ten title game to rival Ohio State, spoiling dreams of both a conference championship and a national title bid. But in 2007, the Wolverines plan to win it all. This afternoon, Michigan begins that journey in what's expected to be a cupcake season opener. They're playing a school that many in attendance are probably hearing about for the first time. Appalachian State University. Appalachian State. They're from, I believe it's in Tennessee. The Vegas odds have the North Carolina school of App State losing by 33 points. The Mountaineers literally play in a division below Michigan. And now, with just 15 seconds left in the game, Appalachian State is somehow winning, leading Michigan 34-32. to It's Michigan's ball. Desperate, quarterback Chad Henney launches the ball across his body. It shoots to the sky before arcing back down, where only receiver Mario Manningham can catch it. He races down the right side of the field and snags the ball, falling to the ground just 20 yards from the end zone. The clock is running. Eight seconds. Seven. Six. Michigan calls a timeout. They set up for a game-winning field goal. A big pass play to get Michigan a chance to win it. Here we go. They're going to kick the field goal. Today, David takes on Goliath. Can Appalachian State go into the big house and pull off one of the greatest upsets in sports history? And how does this one game change the trajectory of a small North Carolina college town for years to come. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. It's February of 2007, months before the start of the college football season, and Jay Sutton has a problem. The App State Associate Athletic Director has a blank spot in the team's schedule. Then he gets a call. Michigan and Vanderbilt had this game scheduled but it got moved or canceled or something based on a scheduling difficulty. So I called Michigan. 
it's hard to undersell just how big of a deal Michigan is. They're one of college football's most iconic programs. Football is the lifeblood of the school. They have more wins, they have the biggest stadium. They've got you know, 40 Big Ten titles, 11 national championships. That's David Marmons, who wrote a book about the game. These schools are literally on different levels. App State plays in the FCS, or Football Championship Subdivision. That's a tier below the FBS, or Football Bowl Subdivision, where Michigan plays. They play amongst the Giants, like Alabama, Notre Dame, and USC. In addition to being more nationally recognized, FBS schools also have access to just more players and better ones. They can offer up to 85 full-ride scholarships, while FCS schools like App State can only award 63. It's not uncommon for the larger FBS schools to pay the smaller FCS teams to come play them in what are called buy-in games. Michigan thinks they're paying App State $400,000 to come up to Ann Arbor and lose. None of the guys from App State could have made the Michigan team, not a single one. Still, App State Associate AD Jay Sutton is excited. The game could put a school on a massive stage. But before clinching the deal, he wants input from their head football coach, Jerry Moore. And I went down the hall to see Coach Moore. I said, hey, Coach, you know, I talked to Michigan, and I don't even know if I finished the sentence. And he looked up and he said, we'll play those guys. You know, I think he said something like, make them tell us no. Located in the folksy ski town of Boone, North Carolina, Appalachian State University is a football school. The Mountaineers have won each of the past two FCS championships. Appalachian State remains atop the college football mountain. Back-to-back national titles. That's a big reason why the idea of playing Michigan is so enticing. The Mountaineers are at the peak of their game. There's a long list of what makes this App State team special. But at the top, Coach Jerry Moore. Entering his 19th season at the school, he's the soul of the program, full of motivating words to inspire his players and make them feel like a family. Moore knows how to get his players to buy into his program, how to hire smart, trustworthy assistants, and how to develop recruits. It's a focused, tight-knit group. You'll talk to some other guys about players who weren't huge guys, weren't incredible athletes, no offense to them, but we got the most out of their talent and put them in a place to help the team and to be successful. App State does have a few stars of their own, though. Senior receiver Dexter Jackson boasts elite speed. He'd go on to be a second-round draft pick by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. In reigning FCS Southern Conference Freshman of the Year, Armani Edwards, App State has an impressive sophomore quarterback who's capable of beating defenses with his arm and his legs. Number 14 was the real deal. Anchoring the defense, they have a three-time All-American senior safety in Corey Lynch, who'd also go on to play in the NFL. For an FCS team, App State is talented, fast, and explosive on both sides of the ball. To boot, their guys are determined to outwork anybody. The Mountaineer football team is in the midst of winter gym. Coach Jerry Moore makes the announcement. They would kick off their season 
by playing Michigan. Nerves aren't a factor. Everyone's excited. Here's David Jackson, who will do play-by-play for the game. The Michigan game offered the opportunity to see we are about at the height of what we can be. What does that mean? You know, and can we go and hang around for a quarter or so? And if so, will that set the tone for the rest of of what we felt like was going to be another championship caliber season? It's also a chance for the Mountaineers to prove themselves. In recent seasons, App State had played and lost similar games against big FBS teams like LSU, Auburn, and North Carolina State. Deep down, we were all realistic that, boy, this was Michigan. They're a top 10 program. It would take unparalleled preparation. You got to play the perfect game to beat a top five team on the road in front of 109,000 people. Michigan routinely notches top 10 recruiting classes. App State isn't nearly as talented, so they focus on outlasting and outsmarting Michigan in the months ahead of the game. How can this team exploit Michigan's weaknesses? Here's Jeff Dillman, App State's former strength and conditioning coach. Now we started capitalizing on the athletes and the speed that we had on the team. Speed. App State runs a no-huddle spread offense, a system built on spreading out defenses and giving dynamic skill players room to run in space. When you watch football today, you see elements of the spread everywhere. But it's rare in 2007. Here's Coco Hillary, who played receiver for App State back then. It was foreign, bro. Back then, we were the only one that figured that scheme out and was able to apply that. It's now August, and the team has been preparing for months. Just weeks before the big game, the team starts two-a-days. That's two practices in one day, which the NCAA no longer allows, but is commonplace at the time. You know, I, I worked my butt off just to be a part of that, that, that you know, that all season because we knew we had something special, bro. People can't understand uh, how hard we work in practice. These long hours of practice are important when preparing for a long season, running a no-huddle offense, and opening the schedule against a team like Michigan. Every time we stepped foot in the weight room on the practice field was, we're going to outwork every single body, no matter what the situation is. The team always trained hard, but offensive lineman John Holt says that year was different. More reps, uh, less rest time. Dillman had his own special plan to prepare the team for Michigan as well. Every time the guys showed up in the weight room, I'm playing the Michigan fight song the whole time. They get so pissed off at us, it was awesome. Was it helpful? Was it annoying? (laughs) Uh, It was annoying. Eventually, two-a-days come to an end, and it seems like the hard work has the team sharp and zoned in. I don't think we fumbled a single football during camp. And that says something. That says something about the, the camaraderie of the team, the chemistry, the quarterback chemistry with the running backs. So that kind of preparation mentality to go into camp and, and have a great camp that leads into a game like Michigan was, you know, you just can't put a price tag on it. You freshman, not freshman anymore. You've been through college two-a-days, you're ready to go. Been up here most of summer, been through two, a hard two-a-days. Been hot, good grind. App State has the feeling that Michigan still isn't going to take them seriously. Michigan head coach Lloyd Carr seems to confirm that. 
where he said, you know, App State's got a new offensive coordinator, so we'll just have to kind of see how that works. Well, we knew that that meant that they weren't really paying too much attention because App State didn't have an offensive coordinator. Uh, it was a coordinator by committee. There was no set OC. So if somebody just looks on the, you know, quick facts and sees that there's no OC listed, they could draw that conclusion. So that kind of gave an inkling of, ah, okay, these guys might not be paying too much attention. Michigan fell right into the, to our hands and what we wanted because we knew that a lot of these big programs take these small programs and they don't take them for serious. Midweek rain and boom spoils App State's Thursday practice. When the team arrives in Ann Arbor, Michigan on Friday, one day before the game, Coach Jerry Moore puts his players through a light walkthrough practice inside an empty Michigan stadium. Tomorrow, the big house would be packed with a sold-out crowd. You're part of something that you don't realize how special what you're a part of. When you got one opportunity, you got one shot at these guys tomorrow. Hey, shock these people. Shock them. They don't have one idea of what you're like. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. It's September 1st, 2007. The Big House is filled to the brim with maize and blue fans. It's something that a country boy like myself can even imagine. I mean, 100,000 people, you know, more than 100,000 people. That'll kind of take you back for a second, for sure. On the other hand, the town of Boone, North Carolina, feels empty. Many students and fans have made the 10-hour drive to Ann Arbor. 3,000 lucky travelers get their hands on tickets from the school, but even more are showing up at Michigan Stadium. Most fans watch the game on TV through the brand new Big Ten Network. Michigan versus App State is the network's debut broadcast with announcers Tom Brenneman and Charles Davis behind the mic. 
It is a gorgeous September Saturday in Ann Arbor, Michigan. We welcome you to the University of Michigan. The season opener. Appalachian State, the Mountaineers come to the big house to take on the University of Michigan Wolverines. And Some fans at the big house still haven't heard of Appalachian State. But the presumption is that whoever these guys are, Michigan will easily beat them. Here's analyst Charles Davis who called this game. I think we overlooked it because, again, it's Michigan. You know, it's mighty Michigan. Michigan will receive to begin this 2007 season. The all-time winningest program in college football history, the Michigan The game kicks off. Quarterback Chad Henney sets up behind center to lead Michigan's offense. Sure enough, it takes only a few plays to charge downfield and score a touchdown. What a start for the Wolverines. Exactly what they drew up. Run the ball, run the ball, throw it once or twice, pound it into the end zone with Mike Hart. It looked like men playing against boys there in that first drive. 7-0 Michigan. Now, App State has the ball. The Mountaineers start the series with a run for no gain, then a short completion by quarterback Armani Edwards. Already, right guard John Holt is starting to feel comfortable. Definitely I knew that they weren't in the physical shape that we were. On the third play of the drive, Edwards throws the ball over the middle to receiver Dexter Jackson. Third and four, they cash in on the third down, and maybe more. Off to the races, and going all the way to the end zone, the speedster Dexter Jackson. Jackson outruns the entire Michigan defense, 68 yards for a touchdown, tying the score at seven. Holy mackerel. App State's plan may work. Its offense is playing faster than Michigan's defense. That confidence in what he did that game to start off with, it let us know that we could play. You know, we could play with these guys, man. On Michigan's next drive, App State's defense shows what it can do. Linebacker Pierre Banks sacks Henny on third down. The announcers are starting to take notice. I think Appalachian State has come to Ann Arbor to play a little football. Armani Edwards completes each of his first seven throws. Michigan's defense looks confused, struggling to contain App State's offense as they stretch them across the field. Edwards throws a second touchdown pass, then a third. Midway through the second quarter, Appalachian State goes up 21-14. David Jackson isn't sure if they can keep this up. It's like watching your kid brother, you know, go up against the, the bully down the street and hold his own for a while. Michigan's offense finally starts to move, breaching App State territory. But facing a crucial fourth down, the Mountaineers' defense stands tall, forcing an incompletion and a turnover on downs. App State's offense takes over and drives down the field 65 yards. Then, Armani Edwards scampers into the end zone for another touchdown. How many times Michigan couldn't get the guy down at the spot? Not because they were bad tacklers, but the guy was quick, he was elusive. Well, like any powerhouse program in Division 1A college football, you go to your season opener, you're playing at home. In this case, you're playing a small school from the mountains in North Carolina. They paid them a nice amount of money to come on in and take that meeting and go home. Absolutely, although they are back-to-back national champions, but here we are. At the half, it's Appalachian State in the lead, 28-17. In the locker room, Jerry Moore gets his team together for a pep talk. You're fixing to catch the best that a Big Ten school's got. Now, let me tell you, you're prepared for it. 
You've been prepared for it. All the conditioning, they're tired. They're tired. You can't, we don't need a bunch of pep rallies and all that stuff. You didn't just accidentally get where you are. We were all on the high horse about the first half. But for him to settle us down and to let us know that you are going to get the best shot in football that you're ever going to get in your life. I don't give a damn if you want to the NFL. This is going to be a shot that you will never be, you know, forgotten. The Mountaineers received the second half kickoff. So far, things have been going well for the North Carolina visitors. Almost too well. Yeah, you kept waiting for, we were kind of waiting for that other shoe to drop and it looked like it was starting to fall. Sure enough, just two plays into the drive, Armani Edwards makes his first incompletion of the game. Intercepted. And it's an interception. And this was just a bad throw by Armani Edwards. Michigan takes advantage of the miscue and scores a field goal, 28-20. On the next series, App State responds by getting in the scoring position. Freshman receiver and future second round NFL draft pick, Brian Quick, gets himself open in the end zone. Edwards finds an open receiver. The ball hits his hands. And he dropped the football to freshman Brian Quick. A tough break against a squad like Michigan. Still, App State goes up 31 to 20. From here, the game turns upside down. The crowd booing here in Ann Arbor. They're beyond restless, aren't they? They are really upset. They're not just upset, they're scared. Miscues and turnovers spoil any chance of momentum for both teams. Michigan's defense has seemingly figured out App State. Finally, the Wolverines' offense starts to show some life as well. Star tailback Mike Hart finally reappears. Strangely, he's been on the sidelines for most of the second and third quarters. But he returns to the game and promptly scores a touchdown. App State is now just clinging to their lead, 31-26. Time can't get off the clock fast enough. App State isn't able to find an answer. Quarterback Armani Edwards gets sacked twice. And then, with just under five minutes left in the game, Mike Hart explodes for another Michigan touchdown. He rips off a 54-yard run into the end zone. One man's drive and desire. None bigger on this Michigan team than Mike Hart. I still see him zigzagging, 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 and finding a way to score. The Wolverines take the lead, 32-31. App State's luck appears to be running out. On their first play from scrimmage, Edwards throws another interception. That was the first time that I thought we looked tired. David Jackson felt like the game was all but over at this point. You could almost feel the TV sets turning off. Like, okay, they got it. It's over. It's done. But, you know, let's move on to, to whatever else is going on. Michigan is back on offense and set up to pad their lead. But despite starting the drive in App State territory, Michigan can't find a way to get into the end zone. So they settle for a 43-yard field goal. They set up the kick. And that is blocked to the line of scrimmage. With a minute 30 left and no timeouts. Oh, wait a second. You know, we're in this. Uh, we, we got a chance again. And the romantic in you was hoping not to get your heart broken again. App State has the ball back. After sputtering all second half, their offense finally roars back to life. Michigan blitzes Armani Edwards on second and long, but he still gets off a short pass to receiver TJ Corman. 
And he gets it away, caught by Corman, dances away from one tackler, down the sideline to the 40-yard line. With 30 seconds left, App State has reached Michigan's 29-yard line. When Edwards gets flushed out of the pocket and flicks a throw to receiver Coco Hillary over the middle. This is Hillary's first game of college football. He leaps up and makes a huge catch. By Hillary all the way before scampering down the Michigan's five yard line. This is absolutely unbelievable. It looked just a moment ago like Appalachian State could not get off the mat, and now it's first and goal. What exactly went through your head? How did that play come up? What what happened on that play from your perspective? I can't tell you because I couldn't feel nothing. I couldn't feel my feet, my hands, or nothing like that. I never felt more responsible for anything in my life. I thought about doing more than I should have and trying to you know make the touchdown, but I knew we had all of this kicking Julian Rauch. It was Julian Rauch's moment. If he made this field goal, it would put the Mountaineers back in the lead. He had already missed one kick today, so he just wanted to redeem himself. But he doesn't feel the nerves. Their wingman came from my right side, their left wingman broke through, um, very easily could have blocked it. And my kick was past his dime, but he dove and I kicked. So of course it takes your focus off the ball a little bit. And um, I pick my head up and I see what's going on in front of me. So. Uh, for a blink of an eye, I'm thinking, all right, I just got to get this ball off this first thing and then get it up. So uh, with me looking up a little bit, it, it caused the ball to be much lower than desired. But the football gods were on my side that day. With 26 seconds left on the clock, Roush puts the Mountaineers on top, 34-32. Let alone with the stakes that that game had at that moment. That was just pure torture. <laughs> it was even torturous, you know, as a neutral rewatching that. The big house is stunned silent. Michigan will get the ball back, needing a miracle to avoid an historic defeat. On first down, Chad Henney throws incomplete. But on second down, his protection gives him enough time to complete a deep 46-yard pass to Mario Manningham. I took that pass. 12 years to come out of the sky. You know, he threw that ball on the sideline high and kind of an arcing shot toward, you know, it, it was gonna be impossible for us to intercept. Manningham puts his arms up in the air and they stretched forever, forever. It was the most vertical that he was in the entire game. And he puts his hands on that thing and gets tackled out of bounds. He caught the ball at the 20 yard line. Michigan takes its last timeout with just six seconds left on the clock. They're behind by two, but a field goal will give them the lead. On the App State sideline, Julian Roush prepares himself for a heartbreaking loss. Oh, don't do this to me. Don't do this to me. Just thinking, don't take away this magnificent game-winning kick. That is just like a kicker's dream. Michigan's kicker steps up for the game-winning kick. Even after this rough season opener, the Wolverines could still walk away with a W keeping alive their hope of going unbeaten and winning a national title. It's already. Michigan snaps the ball. Snaps good. The whole Block! Block! Kicks! Oh! The kick is oh! good. The Mountaineers are going to try to it's take it to the big house. To the big house. 20, 15, wow! 10. The Mountaineers have just beaten the Michigan.
Michigan Wolverines! The Mountaineers of Appalachian State have just beaten the Michigan Wolverines in the big house. Appalachian State has stunned the college football world. One of the greatest upsets in sports history. Safety Corey Lynch had cut through the Michigan line and blocked the kick. I'm getting chill bumps thinking about it right now. With You know, Corey Lynch goes across and he blocks that field goal. Lynch picks up the ball and starts running. He gets tackled well after the clock strikes zero. The game is over. Euphoria is not a strong enough word. People are going nuts. Our sidelines going nuts. You know, everybody's jumping and running. There's a dog pile, you know, runs it back. I mean, stuff wild's happening. I was on the sideline crying like a baby, man. Meanwhile, Michigan fans sit expressionless. Some sit in the bleachers with hands over their faces. Others look close to tears. The Michigan players quickly leave the field. It's the first time in college football history that an FCS team has beaten a ranked FBS squad. Well, Appalachian State took it to them from the first kickoff to the last kickoff. They never gave up in this football game. Our lives just changed. And that may sound strong, but in reality, that's, that was absolutely the case. To this day, App State players are still often recognized for their role in the game. But the victory also changes the future and reputation of Appalachian State and Boone, North Carolina. The Mountaineers became a nationally recognized brand. The upset puts the school on the map. According to Jay Sutton, they could now be more selective with football recruits and student admissions. People wanted to be recruited by us. Fundraising grows massively. Not just for athletics, but for the arts and for academics. The town of Boone itself sees growth, adding more hotels and restaurants. From 2000 to 2010, the town experiences its biggest population increase recorded over a decade span since 1970. It really just changed the community. That's so cool. (laughs) It really is. That is such a valuable piece that happened that was so much more than just a football game. It impacted people. Now 2022, to see what the campus has done, to see the caliber of student that's applying to Appalachian State. In 2014, App State even moves up to the Sunbelt Conference, joining the FBS, the same level as Michigan. None of these impacts were clear yet to the Mountaineer football program, though. Following the win, it's pure celebration for the team, and it continues all the way back to North Carolina. So when we landed in Johnson City Airport, you know, you had people at the fence yelling and screaming, going crazy. On the drive back to Boone, I mean, you had people on the side of the road part, honking cars, fire trucks, people going crazy. The team bus can barely move. We parked on the street well away from the stadium and had to sprint to get back to the stadium to be there for that moment when they pulled in. In the following days, App State players and coaches are swamped with requests for interviews. ESPN, Sports Illustrated, papers in China and South Korea even write about the win. The game captivates the entire world. You don't understand what that feels like, man, to represent where you come from. Especially a small town. It's tough. You know, and now you, they're watching the Big Ten Network, though. 
The Big Ten Network. And it's for you. Come on, man. <laughs> App State has already made history. And yet, their season has just begun. The team still has its eyes on a national championship. Some of the air comes out when they lose to Wofford University a few weeks later. But by season's end, they finish 13-2 and and clinch their third national championship in a row. That makes them the first Division I school to win three consecutive undisputed titles in the modern era. What was ultimately more special for you? Like, was it more special beating Michigan or, you know, winning that national championship? And the national championship, not only to solidify, but it's completed who, who we were. You know, that wasn't, you know, just a fluke. You know, we were that team. I think that most of the players would tell you that the three national championships are, are more meaningful to them than the Michigan game. But the Michigan game meant more to the rest of the world. Ultimately, it did seem to come down across these lines. After all, for Appalachian State's players, it's one game versus an entire season. That couple years, five, ten times a week, somebody would say, oh, you're on the team that beat Michigan. But uh, nobody says, oh, you were on the team that won three national championships. That's the game that, you know, a lot of the world knows about. So is this the biggest upset in the history of college football? Members of the team admit they may be biased, but of course they think so. Author David Marmons. I don't think there's a serious debate that it's the biggest upset in the history of college football, and it's meaningful because it wasn't just one of the big schools, not just a small school beating a big school. It was a small school beating the biggest football program in college football, in the history of college football. Why do you feel like it's an important story, at least the story of your guys' team? Why is it important to remember and continue to tell it? Yeah, I mean, because, uh, you know, everybody knows the story of David versus Goliath. And David was a guy that wouldn't back down and wouldn't let fear be what, uh, you know, what labeled him and who he was. And, and I think the same thing for that college football team. Thanks for listening to Sports History this week. For moments throughout history that are also worth watching, check your local TV listings to find out what's on the History Channel today. Other notable stories that happened this week. 1995. The Jacksonville Jaguars lost their very first NFL game to the Houston Oilers 10-3. The Carolina Panthers also lost their inaugural game. 1885. John Sullivan and Dominic McCaffrey fought in boxing's first heavyweight title fight. If you want to get in touch, please shoot us an email at our email address, sportspod at history.com. We'd love to hear from our fans and non-fans too. Special thanks to our guests, David Jackson, Jeff Dillman, Coco Hillary, John Holt, Jay Sutton, Charles Davis, Julian Rausch, and David Marmons and Stephen Fight co-authors of the book Appalachian State Silences the Big House. This episode was produced by Cooper McKim, story edited by me, Kaylin Jones, 
and sound design by Bill Moss. Our supervising producer is McKamey Lynn, and our executive producer is Jesse Katz. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review Sports History This Week wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll see you next week. 